Welcome to St. Matthew's United Methodist Church. This is our worship for Sunday, February the 28th, and we're glad that you've joined us. My name is Elaine Hall, and I have the joy of being pastor here with St. Matthew's Church. Will you join me in an opening prayer? O oh God, as we live these days of Lent, we pray that we, you would turn us to yourself. Shape us by your grace and remind us that we are ever dwelling in your care. Turn us to our neighbors and help us to recognize and celebrate our common humanity. May all that we do and say in worship be to your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Mark chapter 5 beginning with verse 21. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him. And a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering with hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had. And she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately, her hemorrhage stopped. She felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say, Who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any farther? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the girl's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum which means, little girl, get up. 
And immediately the little girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this, they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. These are the words of God for God's people, and we say thanks be to God. These two interwoven stories are so beautiful to me. They're so engaging and um, personable in a way that it's almost hard for me to explain. I think the fact that they both center on women, well, on a girl and a woman, that sense that um, maybe in their place and time, they weren't fully valued, but in Jesus' eyes, they were fully and deeply valued. They were worthy of the attention and the healing of the Savior of the world. I love the tenderness that Jairus shows. He cares about his little daughter. He wants the best for her. He humbles himself and begs Jesus. He wants his daughter to be healed. And I can't help but hope and imagine that something about the way that father honored his girl child, even at a time and a place where that was not the norm, that that was a gift from God and that it invited the faith that caused him to call to Jesus, that caused her ultimately to be healed. These stories focus on girls and women. They also focus very distinctly on the particulars of bodies, of the stuff of our physical lives and our physical selves. For so long within Christian history, we have sometimes thought of our soul and our mind being the most important things and our bodies are just kind of along for the ride or they're an inconvenient um, vessel that holds the important stuff of our minds and our spirits. But Jesus does not treat these women's bodies as unimportant or secondary. The woman who was bleeding was not only having trouble in her physical body, but she was having trouble with the specifically female biology and anatomy that, that even today we can feel a little squeamish about the details of that. And we can feel a little um, uncomfortable to discuss what exactly is going on in her place and her time. She had been isolated. She had spent money on physicians who could not help her. But when she heard about Jesus, she knew that approaching him would be the path to healing 
And sure enough, when she touches Jesus, there's this phrase in the scripture that just caught me. It says, she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. That the knowledge, the fruit of her faith, the connection with Jesus and with healing was something that she first felt in her body. And when Jesus looks around for her, eventually that she comes forward and she's trembling. But then it says that she told him the whole truth. And I wonder, I wonder what the scope of that whole truth was for her or what the whole truth would be for you or for me. When we experience the presence and the healing of Jesus and our very bodies experience healing and being made new, when we then bring that story to Jesus, what is that whole truth? What are the parts that maybe we didn't notice before or didn't seem important or we thought someone else might minimize? Because I think that our society and our story says that some parts of our story are important. Some parts of the truth are worth paying attention to. And some things about us, about our feelings, about our experiences, about our bodies are not important or not worth sharing. But when Jesus healed this woman and she looked into his faith after being looked into his face after being healed, she told him the whole truth. And I imagine that some of the grace of that healing was, was that opening up of the whole truth, of coming to see and feel and understand what was really and fully true about her. I imagine somewhere along the way, someone said that the truth about her was that she was a broken woman. Maybe someone said that the truth about her was that she was unclean, that she should be avoided, that she was less valuable because of what she suffered. I imagine when Jesus healed her body, he also healed her story. And she could see and name the whole truth about how God loved her each and every day of her suffering. That the spirit of God was closer to her than her very breath. And that she could trust that God had never left her and never forsaken her. I imagine that part of her healing was learning the whole truth about who she was in the eyes of God.
And another interesting thing about this story and about Jesus' attention to this woman is that he was on his way to something else. And maybe the little girl wouldn't have been considered important in her society, but certainly the synagogue leader who asked for his help would have been considered important. And the fact that Jesus stopped on the way to respond to Jairus in order to attend to this bleeding woman shows his care for her. And in the meanwhile, while he was tending to the woman, the little girl had died. But Jesus knew that that wasn't the final answer for her, that her healing too was on the way. I love the detail that he went with the girl's father and mother and the closest disciples because I imagine the feelings in the bodies of those parents, the heavy weight of worry and grief the actual lo- the actual painful emptiness that I've felt at moments of my greatest fear for my children, that they too were suffering, and it was a suffering that they experienced in their bodies. And so Jesus brought them along, and there they were physically with her, When Jesus reached out and took her hand and brought her up. And then he told them to give her something to eat. The most basic and original show of care for the body. Nourishing it with good food. Jesus cared and he healed And I've been thinking about this last almost year of pandemic and how we've been separated in our bodies. And so many of the options for connecting have involved telephones and televisions and computer screens. And they've been a blessing. They've made it possible for us to stay connected with one another. But also the longing, and the loneliness that comes when what we want and what we need is to connect in our bodies. I wonder if there's a way that we can pay attention to and experience the grief and the trauma that this year has created in our bodies. If we can recognize What parts of you feel tense? What parts of you feel empty? Where do you experience the grief or the anger or the confusion that we have all faced? Where do you feel those in your body? And then can we be open to Jesus touching and healing us to be to being present in our very bodies to what we've experienced. One of the names of the Holy Spirit is the breath of God. 
And when we breathe in, we can commune with God's Holy Spirit. When we breathe out, we can let go of the things that separate us from God. And so thinking about how important our bodies are and how important the bodies that Jesus touched and recognized and learned from and healed, I'd like to invite you maybe today or maybe another time this week to find a time to sit quietly and to recognize what is going on in your body. Is there anything that feels good or light or comfortable? Are there any places where your body is giving you input and information about your emotions? Is there anywhere that is troubled or in pain? And then to focus on the presence of God and breathe in the breath of the Spirit. Focusing on that breath moving just to those places in your body that have experienced pain and trauma and inviting God's Holy Spirit to touch you, not just in your brain, not just in your soul, but in those places of your body that hold on to grief and loss. And may God's holy and healing spirit move through all your flesh, drawing you into God's presence. As we prepare for a time of prayer, I'd like to share with you a note that came from the family of David Miles. Um, After Miles' death a bit ago, our congregation was very generous in supporting his family with prayers and with some financial contributions, and they sent a letter of thanks. David Miles loved his church family so much. Thank you for all you have ever done for him, and thank you for helping with his funeral expenses. God bless you, Dick and Melanie Miles and Joyce Miles. For your kindness and sympathy, when times are hard to bear, we thank you for the comfort that comes from those who share. The family of Robert David Miles. Will you pray with me? Holy God, we thank you that you have created us as embodied people. That you became flesh and dwelt among us in a body of your own, that you touched and healed the bodies of people who were broken and hurting and traumatized. And that ultimately you submitted in your own body to violence and trauma and even to death for our sakes, so that you could bring healing and wholeness to all that which you created. 
and to all the bodies who stand in need of you. We pray not just for our congregation, but through your, but for your church throughout the whole world, that we might truly thank and praise you for the bodies that you have gifted us, and that we might show true care and attention and compassion to the bodies of the people that you have given us to love. We pray for everyone in positions of leadership and authority, that those who make decisions that affect many people would make them with grace and with courage. We pray for Joseph, our president, and Roy, our governor, and all those who are elected and appointed to be our leaders. May we, together with them, work for our common good and care for one another. God, as vaccines are being distributed, we pray that that process would be smooth and quick and safe and fair so that those who most need protection would receive it quickly. We pray that you would revive our common will to care well for each other. Even in the most simple but sometimes most aggravating ways of wearing masks and washing hands and being careful with where our bodies go and who we are near. It is so easy, O oh God, to be weary of these ways of caring for one another. And we feel so impatient for the day when they are not necessary anymore. But right now, God, they are the ways that we can care for the people around us. And so we pray that you would give us the strength and the compassion to carry on with that care. We pray for our schools, for teachers and staff and students as they are spending more time in person, oh God, Protect everyone in need of protection and may the blessings and benefits of in-person learning um, truly reach all of our students, especially those who need them most. God, we pray for our own congregation and for our friends and our family members. And we pray for all those to whom we've promised our prayers. We bring all these prayers in the name of Jesus, who is teaching us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May you live this week whole and sound in the body that God has given you. 
in places that are broken or hurting or weary, may you specially know the loving presence of Jesus. And may you share in the care that God holds for all people. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.